called us to. Amen. And so fear makes all of us ineffective. When we walk in fear, we're not walking effectively. And so this series is to help call us out of fear. So the first sermon in the series was called Fear of God. Y'all remember that, ser- that, that sermon? Did y'all enjoy that one? Okay. The second one last week was called Fear of the Past. We talked all about your past and how to get past your past. This week, I want to help you to deal with your present fears with a sermon that I'm titling, Represent Fear. Represent Fear. So join me, if you will, Romans chapter 8. If you don't have a Bible, uh, we'd love to gift you one. And so if you need a Bible, just raise your hand. One of our hospitality team members will put a Bible in your hand if you need one. If not, we'll have it for you up here. we got one over here on, the, on my left. And so if not, we'll have it for you up here on the screens. And we can jump into the Word of God together. So pardon us this morning. If you have your kids here with us, typically we have uh, space for them upstairs. You would typically hear them thumping around as I was preaching. (laughs) But our volunteers weren't available today. So uh, they're going to have to hear me talk a little bit. So I'll I'll do my best to keep them entertained. (laughs) That was a joke. Y'all supposed to laugh. All right, moving on. My feelings are hurt now. No, nobody laughed at my jokes. (laughs) Romans chapter 8. Verse 18, hear these words of our Father. It reads, it says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. I'll read that again. He says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing. Somebody say comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. Father, Lord, I pray a blessing over your word today, Father. Lord, I pray, Lord, that as I speak, Lord, that you would speak through me. And Father, I pray this morning that as your word goes forth, Lord, you you said that your word is sharper than any two-edged sword, Father, severing the marrow from the bone. And so, God, I pray that this word would get deep down into the marrow of our souls. And God, when we hear this word, we would respond by saying, Lord, help us to obey. And Father, it's in that same spirit that I pray that you would stand in my body and think through my mind and speak through my mouth and let the words of my mouth. And the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my Lord, my strength, and my Redeemer, and who I place all my trust. And the whole church said, Amen. Amen. Uh, hey, y'all like my outfit? Y'all like it? All right, cool, because I'm taking this jacket off. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking up here <laughs> with this long sleeve corduroy jacket on and this jean jacket. Tripping. Y'all ain't, even, y'all ain't even try to help me out. Y'all ain't even say, Pastor, take that coat, that jacket off. All right. Blaise Pascal, he was a 17th century 
mathematician and religious philosopher, and he wrote these words. He says, we do not rest satisfied with the present. We anticipate that future is too slow in coming, as if in order to hasten its course somehow. Or we recall the past to stop its rapid flight away from us. So prudent are we that we dream of those times which are no more and thoughtlessly overlook the times that presently exist. For the present is generally painful for us, he writes. We conceal it from our sight because it troubles us. And if it be delightful to us, we regret to see the present pass away. We conceal it from our sight. We hide it and we try to sustain it by the future. And we think by rearranging the matters of our life, which are not in our power anyway, that by some way we will be able to reach a time that is uncertain for us instead of dealing with the time that is present with us. He goes on to write and he says, let each one examine his thoughts and he will find them all occupied with the past and the future. We scarcely ever think of, of the present. And if we think of it, it's only to take light of it in order to rearrange it. The present is never our end. So we never really live. But we hope to live. And as we are always preparing to be happy, it is inevitable that we should never be so because we never focus on the present. Now, those are powerful words from that 17th century philosopher. But I want to submit to us that we cannot have a vision for the future if we cannot represent our fear of the present. We cannot have a vision for our future if we are not able to represent the fear of the present. See, represent means to give something over to someone formally or ceremonially. And I want to argue today that we need to represent our fear of the present to God. In other words, we need to give our present over to Jesus over and over and over again. See, we, we cannot exist inside of a reality where our present is constantly fleeting from us because of fear. We have to submit and surrender our present to a God who cares for us and who loves us and who says right in our present, don't you worry about anything because I will be with you even until the end of the age. So the first thing that we have to understand about the present, and this is what Paul wants us to know as he's writing to the Roman church, is that the present must be considered. 
He says here, verse 18, he says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. See, this word for consider is a word that means to calculate something. It means to compute something. It means for all of my financial professionals in the room, it means to reconcile something. And so this word here for consider, what Paul is suggesting to us is that we must calculate our sufferings if we are going to see the hand of God working in our present. See, we don't like to talk about our sufferings we, because, because we don't like to suffer. Uh, we, we don't like to go through anything. We don't like to have to deal with the annoying stuff that is present in our lives. We just want to skip over it as if there's some way for us to get past what's going on in the present. But the reality for us is this, is that we have to calculate our sufferings if we're going to see the hand of God working in our present. Can I tell you this? The reason why some of the stuff that's going on in your life is still going on is because you won't deal with it. The reason why you're still dealing with some of those nagging things that are on your life is because you treat them as if they don't exist and that somehow the present is past you or before you and you won't deal with what's going on in your life right here and right now. That's why homie keep calling. Because you won't tell him, listen, bro, I walk with Jesus now. I'm not fooling with you no more. Because some reason, we, we love our past. <laughs> for, for, for some strange reason or other, we, we, we love our past. And all those sneaky reminders of our past and all those sneaky ways that our past tries to creep into our present, we welcome it. We don't, we don't push it aside. We, we're excited that it's coming up. Most of our problems come into play is because we are not considering what the present has to do. We're not, we're not computing it. We're not calculating it. And so Paul says to us, he's telling us that escaping the fear of the present means that we have to calculate our present. Another meaning for this word for consider is the word to impute. Now, you, you may understand impute because the righteousness of Christ has been imputed onto us as believers in Jesus Christ. What that means is, is that when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he places his righteousness onto you, even though you are not deserving of his righteousness. And God the Father, when he looks at you, he doesn't see you anymore, but he sees the righteousness of his son placed upon you. And so that's what imputation is. It's, it's when something is placed upon you that you had nothing to do with. Now, imputation can be bad, too. I, I went to, to Chisup Court. Anybody know what Chisup is? Child support. Somebody in the room know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Listen, I went to child support court with some, with, with some somebody. And um, as I'm in there with them, the, the, the judge is talking to this one gentleman. Now, I use that term loosely because he was very rude. And he was being a jerk to his ex-wife. And so he's staring her down. And the judge told him, you look at her one more time. I'm going to kick you out of here. So he was looking at her trying to intimidate her. And so the judge says, 
what do you do, sir? And he says, well, currently I'm unemployed. And he says, okay, that's fine. What did you do before you were unemployed? And he said, I was a doctor. And he said, the judge is like, okay, cool. Uh, Somebody bring me the sheet. And so he starts calculating the numbers for the guy. And he says, since your behavior has been such a, so egregious today, what I'm going to do is I'm going to impute income onto you. And I'm going to, I'm going to force you to have to pay child support at the rate of a doctor, even though you aren't currently employed as a doctor right now. And so the man jumped up and he said, but I lost my license. I can never be a doctor again. And he said to him, well, you should have thought about that before you walked into this courtroom behaving the way that you've been behaving. And so I'm sitting there in terror for the guy like, man, he got to pay child support at the amount of a doctor and he ain't got no job. Like, that's going to be crazy for him. And so he had he had income imputed onto him. And what happens when we don't press, when we don't deal with our present is we have things imputed onto us that Jesus says, give that to me. I want to take it away from you. When we don't deal with our present, things are placed on us that we don't need to be placed on us. If we would just surrender ourselves and surrender our lives to Jesus and say, Jesus, I don't know what's going on right now. They talking crazy, but I need you to deal with this. And so we got to we got to place our, our trust in Jesus and walk away from fear of the present. And so we we have to impute the appropriate amount of weight to our present sufferings if we're going to represent fear. Here's let me help you out. A lot of times the reason why we're afraid of the present is because we think things are worse than they actually are. See, we always have a fatalistic mentality while we're going through it. See, while we're in the midst of it, we say, oh, Jesus, the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Oh. We start crying and wailing and all that stuff like that. That's why Jerusalem had a whole wall for wailing. <laughs> People would go up there and put little piece of paper in the, in, the, in, the, in the holes in the wall. They still do it. We lament situations as if they're worse than they are. But if you're in this room today and you're breathing, guess what? You've escaped every worst day of your life. And see, if you're in this room and you're breathing and you've got breath in your body, and you got the articulation of your speech and you ate last night and you woke up this morning, and you had breakfast and you able to take a shower and get a bath and wash your hair and brush your teeth, then you have escaped every worst day of your life. And Jesus is the reason that you've escaped every worst day of your life. He tells me, he says, listen, I, for I consider the, the, the sufferings of the present. When he's talking about sufferings, he's talking about misfortune, calamity, evil, affliction. What's that commercial with the insurance company? Say, no, the guy with the, who go around. Yeah, mayhem. There you go. That includes mayhem, too. So, listen... We got to be careful to consider that the present will be filled with mayhem. My wife, we, we got ready to leave for this for this trip uh, on Friday. So we were going and we were like, yeah, we got to get this. We got to get that. And so we're driving along and then my wife's tire sensor goes off. Doo, 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 doo. And so I'm like, 
the tire, like, not the tire, like, man, God, I'm about to buy new tires, like, I ain't got no money for no new tires, like, come on, G. Like, and so we pull up to the tire spot, and because I'm, because I'm, what we do in the present is we self-diagnose the present, right? So I'm standing there with my automotive tech, technological sense and, and, and telling my wife, like, this is bad. Like, this is going to be terrible because of where it's placed. The, the, it's on the outer wall of the tire. And so they're not going to be able to replace this or plug it. We're going to have to get a brand new tire. And so I pull up the poppy right here. And he was like, yeah, pa, we got it. <laughs> But the whole time, I done self-diagnosed the situation, and I've considered my present, and I've walked in fear because I thought the present situation was worse than it actually was. And if we're honest, we do the same thing all the time. The boss say, I need to see you in my office. Oh, my God. Oh my! Because I heard they was laying people off. Uh, uh, I mean, yeah, last Tuesday, well, he, he just walked out. Nobody knows what happened to him. He quit. <laughs> he quit. He left. The boss wants to bring you in to tell you what a good job you've been doing taking up the slack since that guy left. But we start panicking and freaking out. we got to be careful to consider also when it comes to our present that what we do in the present will bear weight in our future. We'll, we'll talk about fear of the future next week. But I want to help us today. What you do matters. Let me tell you all over here. What y'all do matters. Okay. See, what we do with our finances in the present will have an impact on our future. Oh, I knew it was going to be quiet. I knew it was going to be quiet. We can't spend and spend and spend and spend and spend without any computations for the future. that's your problem, you need to go to Financial Peace University on Wednesday nights. The spittles will help you get your money right. Nah, 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 nah. Wait till I get my... Uh-oh. You can't sleep around and sleep around and sleep around without any calculating on what that means for your ability to connect with a spouse in the future and have a meaningful relationship with them, whereby you, because you've been giving away pieces of yourself to somebody who isn't properly committed to you. I wasn't supposed to say that. Let's say another one. You can't lie and lie and lie and then not bear any implications for your future. Y'all know the story. Boy crying wolf. It's a wolf coming. It's a wolf coming. Woe is me. They treat me bad. They treat me bad. People are going to start believing you. And then when it comes up, and it's really happening, what you going to do? 
See, we can't eat and eat and eat ourselves into oblivion without weighing the impact of what that's going to have on our health and future. Listen, I'm going to pull up in the living room, sit right next to you. You might be saying to me, Pastor Derek, I listen, I'm not an overspender. I got a budget last week by going to Financial Peace University. They told me what to do. I'm good. You might be like, Pastor Derek, I ain't sleeping around. I'm celibate. I started on Sunday. This week. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You got to start somewhere. Okay, you got to start somewhere. You got to start somewhere. You might be saying, Pastor, oh, Pastor Derek, I'm not an overeater. I take care of my body because my body's the temple of the Lord. I eat a low-carb vegan lifestyle. And I lift, bro. Yeah. You may not overspend, but you doubt that God is able to do more with your penny than your pension. You, you may not sleep around, but you doubt that God has a spouse for you, so you keep going on dates and following Steve Harvey's 90-day rule. Instead of finding yourself busy being used by God in powerful ways and stop treating your singleness like it's a sickness. See, you treat your singleness as if it's some type of impediment to you when the scripture says that when you're single, you have the freedom to do more for God. And so we got to stop this mentality like our singleness is a sickness. No, it's not. Your singleness is something as a gift that God has given to you, whether it's for the present or whether it's for the future, for you to be able to walk in his purposes and utilize the gift that he's given to you for his glory. You may not overeat, but you doubt that God is a healer. So even though cancer runs in your family... It doesn't have to run into you. And if it does run into you, God is able to heal you. So you can stop running to CrossFit and run to the cross. See, because God's got something for you at the foot of the cross that CrossFit will never be able to give you because CrossFit will help you with this life right now, but the cross will help you with your eternal life. See, First Timothy for an A, he says, for training the body has limited benefit. But godliness is beneficial in every way. Why? Because it holds promises for the present life and also for the life to come. See, we walking around in fear about our present when God says, just walk right before me. Just walk right in my presence, and I'll take care of the rest. Seek first the kingdom of God, and what? His righteousness, and all those other things will be added to you. See, the present is the now. Somebody say now. See, we have promises from God now. We spent 21 days in September praying through the promises of God in the scripture. And so those promises, they're for right now. The word here for present is a word that means at home. So when the promises of God are present for you, that means they're available for you right here, right now in your home and in your life. 
And so we got to stop seeing the promises of God as some futuristic thing. No, God has promises for you right here, right now. He says, this present time, listen, time has to do with the occasion or the, or the season of something. And so what happens is we're so busy thinking about the future that we don't properly assess the present. And we don't properly assess the season that God has us in. And see, so what, what ends up happening is you're so worried about the next thing that you forget that God is saying to you that I want you in a season of, of, of singleness right now so that you can walk in what I've called you to walk in. We forget that God's saying that right now I want you in a season of budgeting so that I can prepare you for what's next. See, we don't like that. We, we, we want God. I want it right now. Like, God, this is my season. This is my time. Like, and yes, it is your season for budgeting. It is your season for that. God's got a season for you. Yes, he does. And yours is budgeting. You go to Starbucks every day. Pay five dollars for a little tiny little cup. Mm -mm. (laughs) I don't drink coffee, so when I do go to Starbucks and order stuff for people, I'll be like, let me get a mocha chai latte uh, uh, triple size. And he's like, sir, we don't make that. (laughs) Maybe rude. Grande? Like, nah, bro. Like, I don't know. Tall, whichever one it is. I don't know. Hear what Jesus says in Luke chapter 12. He says, you hypocrites. That's a bad starting place when Jesus starts out like that. (laughs) You hypocrites. He says, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky. But you don't know how to interpret the present time. See, you're so busy. Calculating the stars and looking at the the universe and the earth and all that stuff like that, and you try to tabulate. Well, if we do this right now, then you know, in 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 forty seven years, like you know, we'll, we'll be able to do X, Y, and Z. And you do all these calculations, and all that stuff like that for the future, but you don't know how to interpret the present time. Like, there's a time for everything. We got to know how to properly walk in the time. And season that God's called us to. My next idea. Y'all got that? The present must be considered. Y'all got that? You have to consider your present. If you don't, you'll be in trouble. Next, you got to note this. The present must not be compared. The present must not be compared. He says, for I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. See, when he talks here about worth, what Paul is saying, he says, is that I don't consider the sufferings that we're going through to have any real weight in comparison with the glory that's going to be revealed to us. Let me break it down for you. See, fear of the present is often about our value assessment. See, we we fear the present 
because we place more value on something than it actually has. I.e., we put more value on being in a relationship with somebody than we do on being in a relationship with God. We put more value on getting money than we do on getting with the Savior, the one who made us. We, we, we place more value in things that do not equate to the value of our creator. He says in the scripture, we worship created things instead of the creator. We worship money and walk around like, man, I got to get it. I got to get this bag. You know what I'm saying? I got to get it. Like, and yeah, you, you do. But you also got to recognize that God is your provider. So you can get it and you can go catch that bag. But guess what? It can be taken away from you. It can be gone. And you'll be looking around like Allen Iverson, like how did I spend $200 million and don't know where it is? $200 million. That man don't know where none of that money is. It's crazy. Our fear of the present has to do with our value assessment. So what we do is we question in many ways whether or not we're deserving of our circumstances. See, because the word for, for, the word here for worth, it means to be deserving or suitable or comparable. So what we do is we question in many ways whether we're deserving of our circumstances or not. So on a positive side, we determine that we don't deserve to be treated the way that we're being treated. So we fear going into work. You know, last time I went there, man, it was just getting on my case and I don't deserve that. You know, like, I, I ain't going to go to work today. Like, I, I'm not going there. We, we we talk like that. I've done it. Shoot, I called out a couple times. I was like, shoot, I ain't going to work today, man. They tripping. Like, I don't know what's wrong with them. I did. Y'all go, y'all going to sit here and act like yeah, I'm the only one who ever did that. Y'all be calling it for mental health days and all that stuff like that. Like, don't don't be pl- listen. You calling it for mental health days? I know. Thank you. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> That's what you'll need after the Cowboys beat the Eagles. You need a mental health day. On a negative side, do not edit that from the podcast. Keep it in there, please. On the negative side, we determine that we don't deserve to be in the position that we're in on our jobs because we fear we aren't valuable enough. See, fear of the present is about value assessment. It's about the value that we place on our situation. We question in many ways whether we're comparable in our circumstances. The word worth is it means to be comparable. And so on the positive side, we say, man, I was good to her. Why did she cheat on me? That's what we say. On the negative side, we say, I'm, I'm, I wasn't as pretty as her. That's why he left me. That, that, that's how we think. We spend our lives comparing ourselves to other people. And what comparison does for our present is it, it deteriorates it. It deteriorates it into an oasis 
of something that we think we might be seeing, but we don't actually see. And so he says here, I, I don't, the, the, the pr- sufferings of this present time, they're not worth comparing with the glory that's going to be revealed in us. So this comparison, it means to be to the point, watch this, it means to be to the point of suffering. That's what comparison means in the original language here in this text. It means to be to the point of suffering. When we compare, we set ourselves up for suffering. When we compare ourselves to the business down the street, we set ourselves up for suffering. When we compare ourselves to the guy she left us for, we set ourselves up for suffering. Teddy Roosevelt said that suffering is, the, he said that comparison is the thief of joy. And see, comparison, although it has some positive attributes when it comes to the pursuit of excellence, like you should compare yourself to people who are in your field and you should look at the things that they're doing and the advancements that they're making and and the things that they're operating in and the technologies that they're using. Yes, you should compare yourself to see how you can improve yourself and be better. But at the same time, the problem comes in when we can't stop comparing. See, some of us compare from the time we wake up to the time we go to sleep. We comparing, comparing, comparing. We compare when we constantly pair our computation devices to service providers. But God is saying, Let me be your service provider and you won't have to worry about comparison ever again. And so we we, we constantly submit ourselves to comparison because we don't give ourselves enough time to live in the present to see what God has actually done because we're too busy looking at past pictures of what people have done instead of looking at the pictures of what God wants to do in our lives presently where we stand. So we got FOMO and all that stuff, fear of missing out. Like, man, they went on a family vacation to Disney World. And we didn't go on vacation. Well, they ate bologna and cheese sandwiches every day for two years for lunch to save up to go to Disney World. You going to... Uh, uh, Sullivan's on 202 for lunch, like Mickey Moto's, like all this stuff, like just spending. Not budgeting. Remember, your season, it's your season to budget. <laughs> Listen, God, God is saying, he's saying, let me be your provider. Let me be the one. Here's what 1 Corinthians 7 and 17 says, the ESV. He says, only let, this is good. He said, only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to them and to which God has called him. You got to run your own race. 
let me take it to the to 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 the hood from where I'm from in Camden. We would say you got to stay in your lane. Like you can't be all up in other people's lane. When you when you're trying to ride in other people's lane, guess what you do? You end up crashing. And so we got to learn how to stay in our lane. We got to learn how to lead the life that God has assigned each one of us to lead. You're so worried about the gifting that God has given to somebody else when you're not focused on the fact that God has given you something specific that he's called you to do. And you're the only person who can do that thing that he's called you to do. You're looking around like, man, she she out here, man, she got like 10,000 followers on Instagram. Like, man, I'm trying to be an influencer too. (laughs) Maybe, maybe. God called you to be an influencer in real life. Maybe God called you to be an influencer with some people who aren't able to pay you back for the influence that you leverage for them. Maybe there will be nobody calling for sponsorships to provide you with the influence that you are are walking in. But maybe there's a God who will be able to provide you with a heavenly sponsorship one day because you've walked in the lane that he's called you to and you've led the life that he's called you to live. He goes on 1 Corinthians 15 because Paul is dealing with some of this stuff. Some of the people are rising up and, and talking about whose apostleship is better and all that other stuff like that. And, and Paul starts to lay some stuff out. He says, listen, for I, I'm the least of the apostles. And he's not being self-deprecating when he's saying that. What he's saying, he says, I was the last one to get on board. Because, in fact, I persecuted the church for a season. So I was the last one to get on board. I'm the least of the apostles. He's not self-deprecating. Like we do. Maybe I'm just not good enough to have. Does anybody remember that internet uh, cartoon called Homestar? Anybody? Man. There was a character on this internet cartoon called Homestar. It was interactive. Like you could, you could, you could make them do different tasks and stuff like that. It was called Homestar Runner. And so there was a character on there. His name was Strong Sad. Strong sad. He had a brother named Strong Mad. Strong Mad wore boxing gloves and he'd be ready to fight people all the time. Strong sad was a big gray creature. And so they would ask Strong sad, hey, Strong sad, how's it going today? He'd go, oh, well, at least I'm not dying. And it's like, hey, Strong sad, you good, bro? One time Strong said, one time Strong said, I, listen, I, I don't know what I was doing when I was watching this stuff. But Strong said, this was his name, Strong said, one time they had Strong said, they were teaching Strong said how to fly. And so Strong said, they had him, they tied him up and they ran with him and then he, whew, he floated up into the air. And as he's floating over top of everybody, he says, I'm sad that I'm flying. It was like, bro, strong sad. <laughs> Doing bad, bro. You got to do better. <laughs> I mean, he was literally sad that he was flying. <laughs> he was sad. And some of us are sad 
when God has placed us in some elevated positions because we're too busy looking around at the people around us to see that God is elevating us to something and it looks like the people around us are disappearing but what's happening actually is is that God is elevating you to a place where he's going to use you differently than some other people but if you're not watching and staying firm in the present reality that God has you in you'll miss it and so I, 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 want, I want to help us here because he's telling us, he says, listen, the present suffering that you're dealing with, he said, they are not worth comparing with what? The glory. Somebody say glory. glory. See, glory is where, it's the word doxa in Greek. It's a word that means magnificence, excellence, preeminence. Dignity, grace. And what Paul is submitting to these Romans here, he's telling them, he says, listen, I know you got some stuff going on in your life. And Paul did so much to get to the Romans. He did so much to be able to write to them and talk to them. He, he loved the Roman church. He, he did so much to get to them. He said, listen, I want you to know that the sufferings of this present time, they are not worth comparing with the magnificence that's going to be revealed to us. See, he's telling them, he says, listen, that difficulty that you're dealing with right now, it's not worth comparing with the excellence that's coming. That difficulty that you're dealing with in your marriage, guess what? It's not worth comparing with the glory that's going to be revealed to you when you start to walk in the purposes of the present that God has given to you to love your wife like Christ has loved the church. See, there's glory coming. And as we observe what this looks like, we've got to see a clear picture of what God is saying to us. He's letting us know. He says that what is with what is before you in the present is not worth comparing to the glory that is before you. So this dignity and excellence and grace is going to be revealed to us. This revelation is where we get the word apocalypse from. Apocalypse. <laughs> hey, Pastor Darrell, I thought he was about to say something good. <laughs> but the word apocalypse just means to uncover, to make known, or to make manifest. And what I want to submit to us is that our present is the gateway to unlocking what God wants to manifest in us in our future. The present is that. And so how you deal with right now, how you deal with today is going to determine what's going to take place in the future. And so you, we, we, we can't walk. We can't walk around constantly looking at the past. See, back then it was better, you know. You know, back then they didn't want me. Now I'm hot. They all on me. You know what I'm saying? Like all that stuff like that. Like you, you, we, we look back. We constantly look back. And we'll pay attention to what's going on right now. What are some of the things that you're missing in your right now? Because you're focused on other places. What is the thing that you're missing in your present reality that God wants to do in your life right now? Because you're too busy worried about how your past has hurt you. What are the things that, that, that you're missing in your present? Because you're too concerned about tomorrow. He says that tomorrow will take care of itself. You don't have to worry about tomorrow. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. 
and all its righteousness. And all those things will be added to you. Don't worry about that stuff. I'll close with this to hear you come on. I just want to read this. Romans 8 is a, is a, is a chapter everybody loves. And he tells them here, he, said, he says, you're going to go from groans to glory. And so for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. And then jump down to verse 38. He says this. He says, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from from the love that is in Christ Jesus our Lord that's good news y'all that's the best news in history see the reason I love being a pastor is because every single week I get to stand up here and proclaim the greatest story that's ever been told and that's the story of a broken people who were born in sin shaped into iniquity as the scripture says we we violate God with our, our sin we violate him we violate his laws and the, the, the challenge is is not that we're sinful the challenge is that God is a just and holy God and because of his holiness and righteousness he declares that a penalty must be paid for sin an appropriate penalty not one that leaves everybody wondering what happened an appropriate penalty must be paid for sin the the, the problem comes in is that we we don't have the ability to pay the debt that is owed that's why I love the old song it says he paid a debt he did not owe I owed a debt I could not pay I needed someone to wash my sins away And I stand here today to proclaim to you that there is a Savior who will wash all your sins away. Maybe you're here today and your present reality is chaotic and hectic and scary. You don't know what's going to happen when you leave from here. You, you, You showed up today because you needed to hear a word from God. Because your life is falling apart around you. And I'm here to let you know that there is a God who can take care of every one of your issues. In fact, one day some 2,000 years ago on a cross, he declared that it is finished. You don't have to deal with your sin anymore. I've already dealt with it. You don't have to deal with the guilt or the shame or the pain because I've already dealt with it. Because Jesus already dealt with the penalty of our sin, Scripture tells us that we can be free. They sang earlier, I'm no longer a slave to fear because I am a child of God.
anybody in the room today, if you're hearing the call of the Lord, I want you to respond. Every head bow, every eye closed. If you're sensing the call of God today, I want you to respond. Just lift your hand. We want to pray for you. We want to walk with you. Show you what it means to live in relationship with Jesus. He'll wipe away all your tears. He'll take your pain away. And he'll remove your fear. Is there one today? saying, I, I, I just don't know where to turn or what to do. God, help me. Father, bless these your people. God, we surrender to you. We surrender our lives. Lord, you are worthy of praise. Glory and honor are yours. God, we surrender to you. Wash all our sins away and cleanse us from fear.